0: Hello, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. Good evening. It is Monday evening, the 15th of Kislev. The 11th, the uh, 27th of November on the English calendar. I'm back in the United States again. Back with some family away from others. I hope everybody had a nice thanks- Thanksgiving. I think that's one of the nicest American holidays. The idea of having a holiday devoted to thanking the Almighty is something that deserves to be spoken highly of. It's a concept that should unite humanity. One thing that has been in the news that I have found greatly troubling, and there's no shortage of troubling news these days, is a proposed boycott of Israeli food Signed by I understand 900 chefs all across America um, Many of whom have in my opinion undeserved fame now, what is the heinous crime That they're that they're going after they're calling for a boycott of Israeli food for the crime of cultural appropriation. Now why is this? Because they're claiming that Israelis, a nationality that according to them perhaps shouldn't exist, have appropriated the cuisine of uh, Palestinians and other Nationalities across the Middle East. I remember when I was a kid, we ate pita. This was back in the, I remember eating this as early as the mid 1960s, and we knew pita as Syrian bread. There was a population of uh, Syrians. Living in Boston, who were probably other cities too, who were predominantly Christian. Later on, I came to know Syrian bread as pita, which is actually an Aramaic word. The same, I see the same bread on Atlantic Avenue. And thankfully, there is a cousin of pita. Pita is generally round, tends to be hollow. You can stuff it with salad or whatever you choose. There's also a kind of bread called laffa. Now, laffa is a fairly large sheet. It almost its square instead of being round, and sometimes people either roll it up like uh, a giant uh, cigar or doobie or whatever it is and uh, stuff it up with uh, whatever contents they choose or they tear off pieces of it and dip it in uh, hummus or in tahina which i am sure have different names as uh as one crosses national borders the first time i ever had um, Turkish coffee it was actually referred to as Greek coffee and uh, i'm sure there are other ways of referring to it it is consumed in Greece in Turkey uh, i've had it in um, what was Yugoslavia when i was there but as would now be called Croatia today. Foods cross national borders. I think one of the most delightful, I guess, food fads, which is really with us to stay, thankfully, is that of Greek yogurt. Uh, the most famous brand of Greek yogurt is which really became a national craze is Chobani yogurt Uh, now this Greek yogurt was brought to us by Hamdi Ulukaya who was a Turk of Kurdish ancestry and uh, apparently Kurds like uh, Greek yogurt It, it crossed the border Nobody asked him uh, for a Greek passport before he uh, made his uh, yogurt. And uh, I think we're all the better for it. So, why is hospitality for humanity uh, angry at Israelis, angry at kosher restaurants, for the heinous crime of cultural appropriation of taking foods from the Middle East and uh, appropriating them as Jewish cuisine. Now, if you look at the demographics of the state of Israel, about half of its Jewish population is descended from uh, Jews of the Middle East, uh, Mizrahi Jews, Jews uh, who uh, had to flee Syria, Iraq, um, Lebanon, Egypt, Algeria, Libya, long list, and I probably left out a few uh, countries. These were a Jewish population. It, it, there was... Well over a million Jews living throughout the uh, Middle East, both the Arab world and uh, Iran. And from over a million in the 1940s, we're now down to, if you include Iran and Morocco, uh, probably less than 50,000 Jews. Now, the Jewish population in those countries did not have matzo balls, gefilte fish, and cholent airlifted in from Poland. Uh, Their cuisine resembled that of their neighbors. Human nature being what it is, if families live next door to each other and somebody smells something good cooking, they will ask the neighbor, wow, that smells good, how did you make that? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, had, Izzy was in Chicago many years ago, and he was shocked because we have a, uh, type of bread that we eat on Shabbos called challah. It's a braided loaf. You make, uh, three, you get, uh, three, uh, lengths of dough. And you braid it just like braiding a girl's hair. Um, I like it best if it's uh, painted with egg. You know, people get to make it nice and shiny, and it has the uh, additional effect of keeping the moisture in. And my friend Izzy was going through a uh, Polish neighborhood. Definitely not a Jewish neighborhood devout Catholics, the whole nine yards. And he saw a Polish bakery with challah in the window. Um, I'm not even sure what they call it. And he said, wow, we have this. This this is Jewish bread. And uh, the lady was not too happy to hear that. She gave him a rather unfriendly look. Some people are like that. Some people aren't. But uh, apparently, who knows which way the traffic went, whether we got something, uh, you know, a type of bread that was Polish or whether uh, uh, Polish people got it from us. Pre-World War II, Poland had large Ukrainian minorities and large Jewish minorities. Um one thing that interests, in, influences Jewish cuisine, uh, uh, is the whole sector of our laws called the laws of Shabbat. What you can do on Shabbat and what you cannot do. For instance, flicking light switches and driving a car. It's pretty widely known that we don't do those on Shabbat except to save a life. What's less known is that uh, uh, if we're serving fish on Shabbos, Shabbat, which is, you know, um, almost like a required aspect of Shabbat cuisine, we don't, uh, we take the bones out to as much of an extent as possible before Shabbat. So, what do we do? Uh, One of the things we do is we make uh, gefilte fish, where the bones are removed. uh, You grind it very fine, and I guess you um, there's ways of uh, sifting out the tiny bone fragments, and the fish is made into a loaf. I've seen the same concept uh, among uh, Jews from Arab countries. I had some delicious Moroccan fish where it was balls of fish in a uh, uh, spiced tomato sauce. Very nice. But uh, one of the things that has increased in frequency is marriages of Jews whose families follow Middle Eastern customs, such as Moroccan Jews marrying Polish or Russian Jews and uh uh or Hungarian Jews marrying Tunisian Jews the the configurations are endless and what is negotiated in every marriage is whose cuisine do you follow or what mix of cuisine do you follow I'm sure that there are Italian families That uh, negotiate between themselves whether they follow northern Italian or some variety of southern Italian cuisine. And that is how recipes travel. That is how styles of cooking travel. And it's a beautiful thing. It used to be that uh, if you listen to or liked music uh from beyond your uh, likely range of appreciation you are considered cosmopolitan a man man or woman of the world i happen to like uh contemporary italian pop music uh east german and uh eastern european Rock music, folk Indian folk music. And uh, I used to be considered someone of varied tastes. Now, I am guilty of cultural appropriation. You can't win. Either you're a cultural imperialist for only listening, say, to American music, or giving prominence to music in the English language or you're guilty of cultural appreciation cultural appropriation It's okay and even praiseworthy to cross America's southern border illegally and to enrich the cartels in so doing But, heaven forbid, you should uh, listen to Italian pop music, um, eat pita bread, unless, of course, perhaps you stand on the table and give a long speech about how uh, we owe thanks to the Palestinians, a nationality that didn't exist before the 1960s, unless we give thanks to them. Uh, I remember my father um, going on business to Japan in 1968. Now, in that year, it was far less frequent to travel to Japan than it is today. And uh, he was years ahead of most people in eating uh, sushi. In 1968 I had never heard of sushi. Today you can buy it not just in Japanese restaurants, you can buy it in stop and shop, you can buy it in a major supermarket. People people uh, get sushi making kits and make 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 sushi at home. Now let's look at language. Uh, England was occupied uh, after the Norman-French conquest of England from 1066 onward for about 250 years. During that time, uh, English, as it was spoken of during that time, was a language. It had no official status in government. Government business was conducted in French. There was a domain of Latin for church business. And when the French were eventually defeated, the English language emerged with a lot of French in it, particularly in the area of law. During that time, there was a huge influx of uh, French words, which greatly enriched our language. I almost shudder to think of what English would be if it had not been for 250 years of uh, French occupation. I hope that the French government does not take... uh, United Kingdom and the United States to an international court of law to sue us for using words like library, cuisine, jury, organization. Of course, then the Italians could get in on the fight by saying that French, after all, is descended from Latin, and they could get a cut of the proceeds from suing us for cultural appropriation the most natural and beautiful thing in the world is for people to be influenced by each other's cuisine each other's music and each other's language and now the wokesters among us who want to politicize the language we speak also want to politicize The food we eat, music we listen to, uh, it's endless. Now, if anybody should be aware of this, uh, how would I say it, Uh, cross influences of um, one country's cuisine on that of another, the chefs should surely be. And uh, I would like to get a uh, list of the signers of this petition of Hospitality for Humanity who say that we should boycott uh, Jewish restaurants, boycott kosher restaurants. Um, as we said in uh, the old country, Kauf nicht bei Juden. I didn't say that, my family didn't say that, but it was very fashionable. We don't like to think about it, but, um, uh, fascism was very fashionable in some circles, uh, in the 1930s and 40s. Um, Ezra Pound, very, uh, interesting, uh, character did radio broadcast for fascist Italy. Um, there was a booming artistic literary scene in France throughout the Nazi occupation in Paris. They had literary salons. They had, um, what was her name, Gertrude Stein was a uh, uh, fascist sympathizer. It was hip to be fascist. So, if hospitality for humanity wants to institute uh, an anti-Jewish boycott, they they have a, uh, I guess, cachet of fashionability that is uh, protecting them, and uh, far too many people are asleep through it all, and. Uh, don't care so uh, I want to speak speak out loudly in favor of um, cultural appropriation, pride in one's culture whatever you want to do and the best thing I like is language borrowing learning somebody else's language Arabic Hebrew, uh, German, French, the list goes on. Languages don't kill people. Food doesn't kill people. Borrowing food, uh, styles of preparation doesn't kill people. So, of course, the, my, the only exception might be uh, eating food prepared by somebody who signed this Hospitality for Humanity um, petition. I would not trust one of those chefs to prepare my food. So on that paranoid thought, uh, I wish you all a blessed week. Let's all try to um, learn from each other love and respect each other, and as a fallback, tolerate each other. Thank you to the Turkish Kurd who brought us Greek yogurt. I thank my Dominican neighbors who brought me bachata music. And I thank you the Japanese who brought us sushi. I plead guilty to uh, cultural appropriation. Maybe I'll get an indictment in the mail. Y'all have a blessed week. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com, thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio, which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous and closely resembles adios in Spanish.